Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his trusted assistant, Michael Pop, as they explore the intersection of faith, movies, and our contemporary context. Welcome back to Christ, Culture, and Cinema, and Happy New Year to you, Michael. Happy 2021. Are you glad that 2020 is over? (laughs) Understatement of the year right there. I'm telling you, it has been a grind. And I think for you and me, one of the great challenges is the movie theaters have, for all intents and purposes, been closed since March. It's been bad. The delays, things going on. My, My wife was looking forward to Top Gun Maverick in July of 2020. And then in December of 2020, now it's July of 2021. You know, I just saw in the news yesterday, Tom Cruise uh, blowing a head gasket on the set uh, because those working on the movie were not necessarily following the COVID protocols. And he got a little (laughs) spicy with his language and verbiage. There was a few few beeps in the one I heard. Yes, he... uh, he was passionate, as our world would say, very passionate about what he was saying. Well, they are essential workers. And well, for Christ Culture and Cinema, they are essential workers. That's we right. need movies. So today, as it is New Year's, we're going to take a look at a movie. Uh, came out June 8th, 1983, but uses the backdrop of the Christmas season, New Year's time frame. Tra- Merry New Year. Merry New Year. Yes. Trading places what a great movie directed by john landis and you know this is our first repeat director right out of the shoot tells you we like this guy uh john landis uh directed the blues brothers where we kicked this whole thing off ran a little foul in his uh directorship of twilight zone a little uh, bit of trouble there, a little, couple deaths. A couple of deaths yes. and a little bit of legal trouble. But brought to the theater trading places, there's a, a great cast that they assembled for this movie. Um, let's take a look at some of those. You know, Dan Aykroyd plays Louis Winthorpe III. Very uh, different than Elwood Blues. Oh, very refined. Very He's yes. very, very refined. Very different than, oh, say, Ghostbusters. And you know one of my favorite Dan Aykroyd movies... My Stepmother is an Alien. I mean, that's just a hilarious movie. Uh, I don't think I've watched that whole thing. Was it that good? Oh, it's a great movie. Oh, my goodness. Well, and then, you know, the main star, so to speak, after Dan Dan Aykroyd in this is Eddie Murphy. You know, previously had done 48 Hours, I think. Yeah, they said at the time they chose uh, Eddie Murphy to replace uh, Richard Pryor uh, because this was a movie actually written for Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Um, when Richard Pryor couldn't do it, they got Eddie and, and John Landis, Mr. Blues Brothers, didn't watch Saturday Night Live. He had no idea. They had to actually find 48 hours because it hadn't been released yet to show him so he could see what a genius Eddie Murphy was. How could that possibly be? You know, and he plays Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray. Great I mean, character. Oh, he's a tremendous character. And then you have the, the two classic actors, Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy playing uh, Mortimer Duke and Randolph Duke, the brothers who have a, a seat on the New York uh, Stock Exchange, old money, old New York money. Uh, Incredible. Classic actors. You know, Don Amici goes on, wins the Best Supporting Actor for Cocoon two years later. Then my favorite, 
Jamie but, Lee Curtis. But before you move on from those two, here was one of my favorite Eddie Murphy quotes. They said it was Don Amici's 49th film, Ralph Bellamy's 99th, and Eddie's second. So Eddie was telling everybody between the three of them, that was their 150th film. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> pretty, simple, big, pretty big name. Simple math. Yes. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays uh, the, the prostitute... Uh, turned kind of guardian angel over Lewis Winthorpe the yep. third, uh, playing Ophelia, you know, and, and she was a, a fairly new face to the to the movies then, kind well, of introduced in Halloween. She had only done horror. Wanda. At that point, she had only done horror movies. Yeah, this they is said true. Landis had to fight to get her in because they didn't want, you know, the Scream Queen, as she was known. Yeah, yeah, and then she goes on to A Fish Called Wanda, and then Wonderful. later on with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, in True Lies. Great movie in Great the movie. 90s there. Blue Steel, and good in, movies. Two I don't want to forget. Uh, one is Denholm Elliott, who plays Coleman the Butler, who's better known for playing Marcus Brody in Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Yes, he was. This and, was his last film. And it was it. Yeah. And then Paul Gleason, who plays Clarence Beeks, he's the security expert, but better known for being the teacher from a breakfast club. He was unbelievable. And and I got to go a few more now. I know this is culture and cinema, or culture and Christ. We got to get yeah. to. But uh, Jim Belushi played the guy in the train, Harvey. Didn't even know he had a name until I looked at the credits. But yeah, there how you, do you go. I mean. His brother just passed away a year earlier. Ackroyd's on the film. He brings his brother Jim in. I thought yeah. that was kind of neat. Uh, and the SNL writers, one of them soon to be Senator Al Franken and Tom Davis, um, those parts were originally supposed to be the McKenzie brothers, Rick Moranis uh, and, and Bob, Bob and Thomas. Doug yeah. McKenzie. Uh, and uh, when that fell through, I guess they got the SNL guys to come in and do those roles, uh, the, the gorilla holders whatever you want to call yeah. them so you know what's really neat. funny is john landis who did not watch snl had a lot of a lot snl, of SNL guys movie. yes he did well you know they took a 15 million dollar budget created a 90.4 million dollar box office draw that's tremendous wonderful uh, and i think it's because of the simplicity of the story which resonates uh, so much so with with our kind of biblical mindset uh, in the Old Testament of all places in the book of Job. You know, we have the Duke brothers which have all the money in the world, all the perceived power in the world, Mortimer and Randolph. And as they look at the scene kind of unfolding early on in the movie, you know, here is Billy Ray Valentine. He's a beggar on the street. He's black. Con artist. He's a yeah. con artist. Um, clearly has had run-ins with the law. And set against that is... Lewis Winthorpe III, who is the highly successful commodities trader, wealthy, hand-chosen, hand mm -hmm. good way of putting it. And Randolph believes that you're a product of your environment. He believes that in and of himself, there's really nothing wrong with him, that given the right opportunities, right chances, he could turn that life around. And conversely, the one who has everything, if you take those things away, he will run afoul. He'll turn bad. It, it's an interesting scene when when uh, Valentine runs into Winthrop or vice versa. They run into each other mm -hmm. and Winthrop drops the stuff and he starts yelling, please, please. 
you know, at that point, Valentine picks it up to give it to him. What's the problem? Right. And that chase ensues, and all the police come. Look out. We got this hoodlum in this club. And it was very interesting to watch uh, Randolph. So you come from a bad environment? So so you had a bad upbringing? You, you see him almost interviewing right. Valentine there. And that starts the bet. The bet. All for a dollar. <laughs> for a dollar. Rich people bets, huh? And he believes that he can lift up out of the gutter, so to speak, Billy Ray Valentine while pushing Lewis Winthorpe III down into the gutter all for a dollar. It's now, incredible. This kind of mirrors, mimics, or kind of imagines the scene from Job. Uh, Job chapter 1. Uh, we're told that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God, turned away from evil, kind of like Lewis Winthorpe third, right? Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, there were born to him seven sons and daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, so on and so He had great wealth. Lots of money. Great success, healthy, wonderful family. And it goes on, it says... Verse 6, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came to them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered, the Lord said, from going to and fro the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered, and the Lord said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only again against him do not stretch out your hand. But they didn't bet a dollar. Yeah, there was no dollar bet going on between God and Satan over Job. But it certainly was a test of faith. It's going to be an ongoing stripping away for Job of all of his wealth, all of his family, all of his possessions. Will he remain faithful? And that's kind of what the bet was about. Will Lewis Winthorpe III remain an honest person? Will he remain a successful person? Will he find a way out of his indebtedness? Will he find a way out of his circumstances? Or... Will he cave into the environment? That's really the story of the movie, isn't it? it? Not only is it the story of the movie and sets everything up, the way they go about it, we're talking about two men who are loaded, who have anything they want, breaking the law, setting things up, they planting drugs on this man they handpicked and brought in, trying to take away his thing, you know, giving this, this hood off the street everything he needs it's 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 a very interesting way that they go about doing this you know the one thing you have to be mindful of when watching this movie and this is you know for our younger audience uh there definitely is some language and there's <laughs> definitely um there's a, a brief touch of nudity in this movie there's also uh some allusions and uh, use of words that are sexualized so be mindful the, of that the tv version they did refilm the jamie lee curtis scene so she has a shirt on in and tv so kids watch it on tv you can watch the tv go. version but there's a scene and uh you can find it on youtube it's uh under uh trading places three of ten 
those men wanted to have sex with me. I just I just <laughs> love the little lean in there. It's when he's in jail. You know, Louis Winthorpe III, he is now, you know, he's framed for drugs. He's arrested. He's in jail. His, his fiance Penelope comes to uh, bail him out. But he's losing everything now. He's framed for drugs, loss of job, arrested, in jail, out. He's about to lose his fiance. He loses his home. He loses his wealth. He loses everything. And this really mirrors Job chapter 1 through Job chapter 2, as everything is stripped away from him. One thing after another. Yep. What's going to happen to him? I think people feel that today, don't you? Oh, definitely. You know, things slowly, systematically being stripped away, whether it be uh, the ability to, to go out, the, the ability to be with family and friends, the ability to travel, whatever it is. Loss is loss. And how do we deal with the consequences of loss? You know, it, it goes on. It's uh, scene five of ten um, in there, and it's called Haggling at the Pawn Shop. Now, Lewis Winthor Winthorpe III. Uh, his he's job, struggling. Oh, he's, he's destitute. So now he's selling one of his last possessions, his watch. You know, and it's, I love the description of the watch, you know. Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? It's the thinnest watch that is still water resistant. I love that. It's water resistant and tells time in three different cities and all of that good stuff. And he's, he's haggling with a pawn shop guy who goes, well, in Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. Do you know what this is worth? In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. It's, I love that. $50. That's what it's worth. And again, he's losing everything thing as this is being peeled back. It really mimics what's happening to Job. Now, conversely, what's going on with uh, Billy Ray Valentine is success upon success upon success. He's been given opportunities to succeed. They're educating him on the commodities trading. They're bringing people into his life that it can flourish. And, and there's a scene with the pork bellies where you see his worldly side come in where he's like, they're panicking because all of a sudden they're not going to have the money to buy their kid a Christmas gift. And the G.I. Joe with the love to him. The G.I. Joe with the, yeah, Kung Fu grip, the Kung Fu grip, which I had <laughs> when I was a kid. There but, you go. But again, you see his worldly side oh, has yeah. value if given the chance. So really this crazy experiment, there's something to that. You know, just because somebody didn't have the upbringing or the opportunity, what would become if they did? Well, and again, that gets back to this word environment, which we uh, which we run into in this movie from an environment of wealth to an environment of poverty. And what do these circumstances uh, do to an individual? Uh, how do they impact it? Now, we watch Winthrop continue to descend and, uh, you know, we have the very bad Santa, you know, this is uh, <laughs> I just love the He's a very bad Santa. That's the scene. You can find it on YouTube. And he is blaming now everybody for his problems. It's Billy Ray Valentine's problem. It's the Duke's problem. It's it's everybody's fault that his life has become totally unraveled. And, you know, again, if you were to kind of see this as a mirror or mimicking of the book of Job to some extent, you know, this really brings us up to Job chapter 12, when Job replies, the Lord has done this. You know, he's starting to point the finger and going, God is allowing all of this chaos to kind of ensue on me. It leads to the next scene, by the way, the down and out Santa, which I know is one of your favorites, Michael, where he's sitting on the bus. 
<laughs> he pulls that fish out and tries to eat it through his beard like yeah. a raw fish. Yeah, oh, so it's, it's a, well, it's a piece of salmon. Piece it's salmon, a piece yeah, of smoked salmon uh, that he boosted from the Christmas party whole. at the Duke and Duke exchange thing. And, it's just uh, gross. Oh, it's disgusting. But one character I don't want to lose sight of as we're talking about this, because as we're watching one descend, one ascend, kind of the bridge that keeps him from descending too far is Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. character, Ophelia. She remains by his well, side. She came in thinking she was playing a joke on somebody hired by Clarence Beeks, right? The uh, the secret agent bad yeah. guy. Uh, to Obviously, she, uh, she didn't know this, but it was to ruin his relationship with Penelope. And... Um, so once he says, you've done this to me, and he's going to her, she does take pity on him. She takes him into her apartment. She helps him out. Yeah, she kind of becomes that that guardian angel in the story, remains by his side, cares for Louis Winthorpe III. Uh, when they finally put the pieces of the puzzle together and the two worlds collide, they come back together, Billy Ray Valentine, Louis Winthorpe III, Ophelia, again, is the one who is helping bridge these two worlds together. She's kind of straddling the environmental, cultural divide and brings these two characters together where they realize it's the Duke brothers who have been doing this to them all along. It has nothing to do with random circumstance. Well, and, and talk about stereotypes in this movie a little bit. Here we have this prostitute who, you know, takes off the wig, trying to get her life together. I mean, in the end, when they go to try to turn the tables on the Duke brothers, she has this pocket of what was it, fifty thousand, twenty-five thousand? I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the butler, the the you know Coleman. Yeah. Has this pocket of money to help them out. Sure. You know, stereotypes aside, these are the people with the money. Community. Mm -hmm. It comes back community. to this notion that life is lived in community. An environment has a lot to play with all of these things, for sure. But in community, they find mutual support, care, and love for one another as they bring Billy Ray Valentine, Louis Winthorpe III together. Their collective brain power and intrigue is able to turn everything around on orange, for, uh, concent, frozen concentrate <laughs> orange juice futures. Futures. Yes. Futures. And I didn't think this existed. You know what? It exists. It Google does. it. Look it up. You can trade orange juice futures. Who knew? And, and here's a funny thing about where culture and cinema collide. In 2010, uh, the congressional uh, testimony concerning the reform of the commodities market designed to prevent insider trading quoted this movie. In Congress of the United States, they quoted this movie, a, a collision of... Well. And they named it culture. the Eddie Murphy rule. And it's the Eddie Murphy rule. Yeah. Go figure. Now, they destroy the Duke boys. They're they're arrested. Now, by the way, they'll make a, a guest appearance later on as down-and-out <laughs> homeless guys in Eddie Murphy's Coming to, Coming America. to yes. America. That's a great one. Brilliant connection if also you saw the Also directed by movies. John Landis. What a surprise. Yeah. But but even then, uh, it, it I think it says a lot when they're upset. when When Valentine finds out what's going on. And he and Winthrop come together. What does he want? Revenge. He's oh, getting yeah. his guns out, right? He's right. angry. And, and it's a great scene. Well, it seems to me the best way to hurt a rich person is take their money away. We're Make back to poor. Job. 
Make them poor. Yes. We're back to Job for sure. Which really leads to our question of the day. You know, environment can be defined by the social, economic, ethnic, and religious backgrounds of the respective community in which you have been brought up, lived in, grown up in. Uh, how does an individual traverse their environment and potentially change? How do they move from one environment to another? And for our sake, how does faith help a person change in the midst of their respective environment? Can a person change by the measure of faith as they view the environment they're in or the environment they move into? Because really, Trading Places has a lot to do with that, and community is cornerstone in that faith expression and faith conversation. And, and how do we as pastors look past some of that sometimes? Because, let's face it, stereotypes are out there, and, and even we have to overcome some of those things when that person walks into church and you're wondering why. You know, years ago when I when I was uh, in Boston, and we used to have occasionally in the wintertime when it would get cold, you know, homeless people would come into the church to get warm on a Sunday morning, and uh, our pews looked more like park benches, and they would lay down on the bench, and our senior pastor there, Pastor Walt Rooning, had a great rule. He's, ah, no, 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 you can stay, but you got to sit up. <laughs> no sleeping during the sermon. So, <laughs> hey, we want to thank you for joining us for Christ, Culture, and Cinema today, and a blessed new year to all of you. Next week, we're going to go traveling back in time to the latter half of the 19th century as we join the Earp Boys and Doc Holliday in the cinematic classic Tombstone. Love Un it. Until next time, Michael, we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for joining us for Christ, Culture, and Cinema with the Doctor, Jeffrey Skopak, and his assistant, Michael Pop. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. 